Hello and welcome to Strange Stuff. My name is Andy. And uh, I'm Mark. see your message arrive well it doesn't matter i'm oh uh how could i have deleted all of my emails from this computer oh hang on a second <coughs> no hang on oh, i'm getting confused i think i i've never reset the email thing on here have i no you've never no <laughs> Oh, well, that explains it. It's on the bloody laptop that I've got my emails. How stupid. I'm such a fool. All right. Turn your camera on. Uh, have I turned it off? It's not on. You must have answered with just voice. Uh, is that okay. better for you? Yep. Now you can see who you're talking to. Now I can see you. I'm going to abuse for the next 45 minutes. Let's, uh, should we turn, oh, should we turn the sound off? Sound? Sound on my phone. No, 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 no. That sort of adds to the uh, exasperation every week. Well, I can tell you, I know exactly who's going to call me. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. She never learns. It will be three weeks in a row. Oh, so, what do you How think? How can we get her online, actually? How can she participate in the podcast? Well, I, I can plug, I can um, plug your phone directly into the mixing desk, but unfortunately, it's in the wrong house. All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, now I realise I haven't lost all my emails. I can relax. I thought it was as a result of uh, cancelling that Microsoft uh, gaming thing. What, like a revenge attack? <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> Cancel yeah, exactly. your subscription, will you? Yeah. Take this. Yeah. yeah. So what are your thoughts on the uh, petrol debacle over in the UK? Well, it's, it's obviously just ridiculous. It's, uh, you know, I always get amazed. Why is it that um, uh, the bleedingly obvious is never obvious to people? It's It's like... There's salaries. You listen to any lorry driver, even your man on LBC, as compared to my man. Every lorry driver who phones up says the problem's been boiling up for the last 10 years because yep. I can earn more money. I, I was listening to one bloke. He can earn more money being an Uber Eats delivery man than he can <laughs> driving a petrol tanker because that's what he used to do. So... If you don't pay anybody, if you don't pay these people even a half decent wage, of course they're going to leave the industry. Now, yeah. that didn't matter when we were part of the EU and all these poor sods from Lithuania and God knows where else came across and were willing to work for £10 an hour. Well, the other way. But now the they've all been kicked out. Well, no, the other way of looking at that is that they drove the wages down in the first place because lorry drivers used to be paid quite a good wage. No one drives wages down other than employers. Yeah. 
a man doesn't go for a job and say, how, how little uh, can you pay me? It's the, the fact that uh, the, well, the actually, employers... Well, actually, the employers advertise abroad at a lower rate than they're paying the indigenous drivers. And, of course, they attract them over from abroad. And that's how you drive the wages down. Yes, but the, the person to blame for that is the employer. Yes. Not the employees. Well, you because blame the, the government em- for allowing the employers to do it. Well, you, I, I don't necessarily think it's the... Did I tell you or did I tell you not? Here we go. Right, are you ready to record? If I put this on speaker... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm already, I'm already recording. Right, are you, are you there? It's Thursday. Now you're being recorded, so you will actually be appearing on the podcast because everybody knows who you are, and now they're going to know your voice. That's not so good. I would never do this again. <laughs> now I'm a bit early today, but I'll give you a call back in an hour or so. Oh, yeah, do that. All right, Um No, getting back to the more important point, <clears throat> it's, it's the same as everything. It's just companies trying to squeeze every last penny out of a given situation without having any uh, concept of long-term planning. Well, they're going to pay for it now. Well, they are. Mind you, it doesn't help when you've got the morons queuing up at petrol stations, panic buying when there's absolutely no shortage of petrol. Yes, but in fact, they should package they should package a giant box of condoms with every gallon to to stop the bastards producing more idiots. (laughs) That's also true. But it's also (coughs) an indication of uh, how people respond to idiots like Boris Johnson saying, don't panic, buy petrol. (laughs) Of course you're going to panic, buy petrol if someone like Johnson says, don't do it. Yeah, but before he said that, he probably bought shares in BP. (laughs) Yes, you're right. So no, it's just all a complete and utter fiasco. And in fact, you know, of course, sitting in Sweden, we don't have such, such problems. But I think it was at one stage last week, two-thirds of petrol stations were closed. Yep, 85%, in fact. Was it? Yeah. I mean, just think of it. Yeah, 85% but... of petrol stations close because they don't have any petrol. Yeah, but the reason for that is the tanker holds about 36,000 litres or 38,000 litres, and they have a set delivery day once a week. And there was nothing wrong with it. The week before, Boris Johnson said, don't panic. Nobody yep. had a petrol problem. No, you're right. So as soon as he says don't panic, everyone rushes yep. out to fill the car and the yep. next next scheduled delivery is six days away. No, no, you're absolutely right. In fact, I heard a statistic that the weekend sales of petrol was four times the normal. Yep. Four times the normal amount of petrol was sold over the weekend. But so, I mean, of course... You, you must have heard them talking on the radio as well about how they've been driving around all morning looking for petrol. <laughs> yeah, well, there was some poor bloke who got up at one thirty in the morning and he, he went to the local, not Tesco, what, what a supermarket petrol station where there was a tanker filling up with petrol and the... Man, the tanker man said, well, they don't open till eight, so you can sit here till eight. So he did sit there till eight. Eight o'clock comes around. The manager arrives and says, I'm sorry, we're not opening today because the police have told us we caused too much disruption on the main road. (laughs) So the poor bloke had been literally sleeping in his car 
for seven hours waiting for the station to open and they didn't open. I mean, how can you be so dependent on your vehicle? If it comes to it, just take a week off work. What is going to happen? It's not the end of the world. No, Andy, you live in Sweden. Yeah. No, people can think like that in Sweden, but in England, people are literally on the breadline most of the time. I I steal food from garbage pails. <laughs> Don't be absurd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's no, McDonald's, but seriously, but... that's that's how the. I think it's literally the majority of people in England, unfortunately, are hand to mouth. Well, Is that how can expression? they afford to run a bloody car? Because what do you mean? How can they? That's that's a ludicrous statement. Because most people need to get to work. So maybe their kids don't have new clothes because they have to put petrol in a car to take them to work to earn a minimum wage that doesn't exist in England. Well, there is a minimum wage. I think you're right. In fact, I think there is a minimum wage. It's £8.61, I believe. And do you know where there isn't a minimum wage? Amazon. Sweden. (laughs) No, I think think someone said... No, there's not a legal minimum wage. Yeah, exactly. um, They're they're actually paid properly here in the jobs that would require a minimum wage, like waitressing and uh, jobs like that. In my mind, everybody is reasonably paid in Sweden, evidenced by my own children who have very modest incomes and yet can afford to buy a house. Yeah. Yes, so, but that, um, won't be ha- yes. that won't be happening for very much longer for the kids in Sweden, unfortunately, the way the house prices are going here. Uh, no, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, but uh, I was talking to my sister in England and prices this year in some areas like Yorkshire, all of the sort of historically cheap areas to live, Lincolnshire, all of those sort of places, 20% in a year, 20% in a year. Them? Who's driving that price up? Uh, People from London. And unfortunately, you know, old colleagues of mine who've probably got more money than they know what to do with, they just buy a property. But it's mainly people moving into the countryside from London. So they sell their apartments in London that a million quid or whatever. That wouldn't get you much of an apartment in London these days. uh, No, you're absolutely right. It doesn't. It doesn't. Even in your old neck of the woods, as rough as you get, um, I he, think even even places there go for half a million these days. Drug dealing you, down the corridor. I'll have you know that my drug dealer lived in a penthouse. <laughs> well, yes. Well, where were Honsworth? Where's that not so respectable place in beginning with H? Hansworth. Hounslow. It, no, no, not Hounslow. I'd know Hounslow. Harrow. Hout, Horton. Horton. Where the hell is, is that, Horton? Oh, isn't it? Okay, I'll I'll think of it. Anyway, yeah, dodgy area, drug dealing down the corridor, four hundred thousand for an apartment. Well, yeah, but I mean, Hoxted, Hoxted, Hox, yeah, but Hoxted, that's that's in Hackney. Yeah, yeah, but of course, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, four hundred grand is a bargain because you don't have to travel far to get your gear, do you? <laughs> no, if you're a drug addict, drug addict, it's a perfect place to live. That's Maybe I'm doing a, them a disservice. That's what you call a unique selling point. I, I, I was just about to apologise to any listeners who may be listening in Hoxted, and then I thought that's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be any. No, any because they've, they've sold all, all their devices to cover their crack habit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Anyway, apologies to any Hoxted listeners. No, but the whole thing's mad. And you've got the Keir Starmer with this 
Labour Party. Oh, do you know what? I listen, I tried to listen to some of his speeches So did today, I. And I had to turn it off. His voice alone, it's well, just... He's got less personality than John Major. <laughs> he's literally got no charisma whatsoever. Well, I thought I'd give it a shot. I turned, tuned in, listening to his uh, major conference speech. I think I lasted about five minutes. And I thought, oh, this is just too tedious. Yeah. I'm, so I switched I, it off. I just see no future for them whatsoever. No. But, you know, the same could have been said for the Democrats. But, um, of course, I was a Bernie man. Bernie Madoff. <laughs> not, not it must Bernie. have been one of your heroes back in the day. No, I was talking <laughs> the other end of the scale, Bernie Saunders. <laughs> Bernie, he's dead. Is he? Didn't he die in prison? Did he go to prison? Oh, yeah, he, d- he did go to prison. Yeah, well, I you bet, see... I bet he, 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 I bet he didn't get stitched up in one of those nasty damp iron cells. Oh, I bet he did, because he upset a lot of wealthy people, obviously. Because yeah. it's only wealthy people that can afford to invest in hedge funds. So, uh, yes, no, he upset the wrong people. It's all right if you rip off the man in the street, then you've got get out of free jail car. But if you upset the wrong people, i.e. those with money, then <laughs> then you really do end up serving your time. He probably went to, what's the, uh, what's the toughest jail in America? Oh, there's lots of them. I mean, there's... Um, in New York. Rhode Island or Rikers, Rikers Island. Is that still in existence? I don't know. Yeah. I would hope so. There's a lot of New Yorkers need putting in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever that fellow, um, the child paedophile fellow, he died in prison, didn't he? Jeff, Jeff Epstein. Epstein, that's it. And uh, what's her face is still there, Giselle oh, Maxwell. Giselle. Yeah, she's her trial's coming up actually. Yeah, fairly interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, to business. Yes, and what is the business today? We had a bit of Jesse James action last week. Yeah, is he dead or is he alive? We're going to stay in America. Yes, uh, but we're going to move to the West Coast, down to California. And yes. Talk about a certain story concerning Hollyweird. Really? I thought you were going to say UFOs for a second. No, not this week. Can be assured they'll be turning up at some point in the future, literally. <laughs> well, I think there must be a, a 10 years worth of material if you look at weird stories out of Hollywood or California. Well, Hollywood's a great source for strange stuff, to be honest. And the story I want to talk about today concerns the death of an actress. Yes, um, You're not going to be posting any pictures of dead bodies as a result of this story, I hope. Uh, if I can find them. <laughs> <laughs> no, Please this is desist. A, this is a, it's, I mean, it's not technically that strange a story, but it, it is as yet unsolved. All right. Marilyn Monroe. No, we're not going to go with Marilyn Monroe. That's too obvious. Right. Uh, we're going to talk about Natalie Wood. All right. That was only quite recently, wasn't it? Natalie Wood? I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Uh, I'm just thinking who she was. Anyway, you're about to tell us who she was together with, I'm sure. Well, we'll start a little bit before that. We'll talk about Natalie Wood's background. She was born to Russian parents. What? Yes. With a surname like Wood? Well, obviously that was her stage name. Oh, right. She was born Natalia Nikolavina Zakarenko. In San, right. in San Francisco, in California. All right. All right. So they'd already come across. They'd already escaped. Well, 
The Russian immigrant parents, uh, Nikolai and Maria, uh, fled Russia in 1918 after his father was killed in a street fight. All right. Um, So they were gangsters. Russian gangsters moved to California in 1918. Well, they, they fled actually in the first place to relatives in Montreal in Canada. And later they moved to San Francisco, where the father, Nikolai, worked as a labourer and a carpenter. Her mother, Natalia's mother, Maria, she was born in southern Siberia. And she was was to have a a much bigger influence on Natalia's life than the father. Although the father was known to be um, a hot-tempered man, he was never physically abusive such he was just known to have a violent temper sorry as a brief interlude and you can edit this out mm. do you remember that conversation we had on saturday where we actually found someone who rather than a man importing a russian bride to go and live in england or america oh, went and moved to siberia <laughs> this russian bride actually imported an english husband to move to siberia yeah, that's that has to be unique i mean literally <laughs> she oh, was probably good. really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Yep, yep. Okay, so Natalia's mother Maria, uh, born in southern Siberia, uh, where her father owned soap and candle factories. Oh now, my God. Yeah, exactly. Both of those products can be made from human beings, as we both know. But I'm not going to cast any aspersions on the family. No, business. no, he was a clean, he was a clean and honest soap maker. Yeah, well, he also owned an estate outside of the city. Um, but with the start of the Civil War, his family left Russia, resettling as refugees in the Chinese city of Harbin, where Maria grew up from 1925. And she married a guy called Alexander Tatilov and had her first daughter, Olga, in 1928. Natalia liked to describe her family as either having been gypsies or landowning aristocrats in Russia. Now, when she was, uh, you're, you're looking confused. I'm talking about her mother being living in China. Uh, yeah, before, I've already lost. I'm before, already lost. Yeah, before meeting Natalie the Wood's father, father she, right. she was married to someone else. Ah, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now I'm with you, sort of, again. In her youth, uh, Maria had dreamed of being an actress or a ballet dancer, and she projected those dreams very heavily, especially on Natalie. We'll call her Natalie now instead of Natalia, just to say. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, I'll get continue to be confused throughout the whole thing. She was also heavily into the Russian gypsy superstition thing, and she had strange superstitions, like if somebody asked you to pass the salt at the dinner table, you had to slide the salt along the table and not actually pick it up, otherwise something dreadful would happen. And it was always something dreadful. She in, she went and saw a, a soothsayer of some kind who told her that she would be a mother of a, a famous star if she survived because she could see her death in some deep, dark, cold water. All right. Now, because of her beliefs and her gypsy inklings, she took this very seriously and she instilled a deathly fear of water into all three of her daughters. All right. Well, she moved to the wrong place if she ended up in California. There's a lot of water down there. There is a lot of water in California. So Natalie and her sisters were raised as Russian Orthodox and they both they all spoke English and Russian with an American accent. Sorry, is that Ruth, Russian Orthodox Christians? No, that's Russian Orthodox Jews. Right. I'm pretty certain. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
It could be either, couldn't it? I don't think so. Aren't the Russian Orthodox the ones who dress all in black like the Jewish Orthodox? No, that's right. That's what's so bizarre. Their customs are almost the same, apart from Jesus, of course. Well, he wore white, didn't he? <laughs> the, the existence of... Oh, no, actually, I, saw I think Robert even Powell, for Jewish people, Jewish uh, Jesus existed. He just wasn't the Messiah. I saw Robert Powell playing Jesus, and he definitely wore white. All right. Anyway, yep, so Russian Orthodox of some variety. Yeah, so shortly after Natalie was born in San Francisco, the family moved to Santa Rosa. And Natalie was noticed by members of a film crew during a, during a film shoot in downtown Santa Rosa. And her mother soon moved the family to LA in order to pursue a film career for her daughter. Really? That's yep. a bit brave. Well, as I say, she was vicariously living her dreams through her daughters and she was determined yep. to yep. either be the... Or to be the mother of a star. Is this sort of supportive mother role or nutter mother role? This is an absolute psycho. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> right. After Natalie started acting as a child, uh, two studio executives at RA, uh, RKO uh, changed her name to Natalie Wood in reference to film director Sam Wood. All right. How old is she? Okay, this is a few weeks before her fifth birthday. A what? Where Five? she made where she made her film debut as an actress in a film called Happy Land in 1943. Her her screen time was only about 15 seconds and what she had to do was basically drop an ice cream which for a 5-year-old is pretty much is method not... acting. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, so my god, she did start early, poor girl. Now, the thing is while on set, her mother told her that the director, Irving Pichel, uh, was a very important man and it was her job to make him love her. Oh, my God. This is already getting a bit disturbing. It, we're not talking Weinstein disturbing. disturbing. Oh, we're, we're not talking Epstein disturbing. There's no evidence Or Weinstein. Or Weinstein. Allegedly. Not allegedly. Yet. Not yet. Do we have to say that allegedly? Yeah, exactly. He remained... Well, I mean, she was quite successful. She she got him to really take a liking to her as a, as a child. And he remained in contact with the family for a couple of years, advising them when other roles would come up. And this is... Not proven, but it's hearsay. Apparently, he did also send solicitors around or some lawyers around to the Woods house to negotiate the adoption of Natalie. All right. Her sister said later that she remembered the talk about adoption, but as far as she could remember, it was said in jest. But her All mother, right. her mother was famous for embellishing stories, so it could have been one of her mother's exaggerations. All right. So when he phoned up Natalie's mum and asked her to bring her daughter to Los Angeles for a screen test, she became so excited, it took over her life. Her father opposed the idea, but his wife's overpowering ambition to make her a star took priority. Then the seven-year-old Natalie got a part in a film where she played a post-World War II German orphan opposite Orson Welles in a film called Tomorrow is Forever. Uh, when Woods... When Natalie was unable to cry on cue, her mother took her to one side and said, you need to think of something sad. And she told her to think of the family dog dying. Nice. <laughs> when that didn't work, there was a butterfly in a jar on the set. And her mother took the jar, opened it up, pulled out the butterfly and tore the wings off it in front of her daughter. That did the trick. She started crying and then she screamed, she's ready, and pushed her onto the set. I hope that's also hearsay, because otherwise this mother really does sound like a nutter. That was not hearsay. All right. She acted in one more film uh, 
directed by Pichelle, called The Bride Wore Boots. And then she was loaned to 20th Century Fox to play Jean Tierney's daughter in The Ghost of Mrs Muir in 1947. All right. There was a TV series, Mrs Muir, The Ghost and I or something, wasn't there? Possibly, I don't recall it off the 1970s. Anyway, yeah, sorry, I'm spoiling the story. This poor girl, it needs interrupting, otherwise it's going to be pretty depressing. Or does it get happy at some stage? Oh, there there are happy minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Couple odd seconds where she actually enjoyed herself. Her best known film as a child actress, and you may have heard of this, was Miracle on 34th Street. Christmas. Yes, starring Maureen O'Hara. She plays a girl who believes that... Edmund Gwen is Santa Claus. Yeah. And it's uh, become a Christmas classic and you can see it every year without fail. Yeah. She was counted among the top stars in Hollywood after that film and was so popular that Macy's invited her to appear in the store's annual Thanksgiving Day Parade. But uh, hang on a second. How old is she now then? She can't be seven. She played a child. Oh, she did. So she could be still young. All right. Yeah. After the success of... Miracle on 34th Street, Natalie played roles as a daughter in a series of family films, Driftwood, Scudder Who's Scudder Hay, Chicken Every Sunday, The Green Promise. She acted opposite Maureen O'Hara in No Sad Songs For Me. She played the youngest sister in Never A Dull Moment. She played James Stewart's daughter in The Jackpot. She, she did untold family films, basically. Because she was a, a minor during her early years as an actress, she received her primary education on the studio lots, wherever she was contra- contracted. California law in those days required that until age 18, child actors had to spend at least three hours a day in the classroom. And she was noted as a straight-A student, one of the very few actors to excel at arithmetic. <laughs> That's a bit of a statement isn't it okay i'll rephrasing all actors as non I'll, I'll rephrase that no matter one of the very few child actors oh thank <laughs> to you excel yeah. in arithmetic yeah. although i think i stand by my first statement no well you say that <laughs> just think how much money they earn these days so they can't be that bad at maths yeah but actually they are i don't know if you know the story about johnny depp and during during his uh, breakup with Amber Heard, it's it transpires that he was diddled out of a hundred million pounds by his accounting firm. What? Now, how can you not see a hundred million quid disappearing from your account? Well, it depends how many millions you got. But uh, that was the one where he was uh, found guilty of knocking her about, wasn't he? Unfairly, in my opinion. I think they were both as bad as each other. Oh, because you you know better than the judge. Oh, of course you do. So. Sorry, Andy, of oh, course you know well, better than the you, judge. The judge doesn't know shit except what he's told. <laughs> and you know more than that. Well, I know that she is a nasty piece of work. Because <laughs> when you were going out with her, she was a nasty piece of work. She used to twist, me, she used to twist my nuts. <laughs> for fun. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to Natalie, this star, a straight A student who knew something about arithmetic. Okay, director Joseph Mankiewicz, who directed her in The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, said that in all my years in the business, I never met a smarter moppet. What's a moppet? A sweet little thing, I suppose. Well, that's a bit derogatory. You wouldn't get away with that in 2021. We wouldn't get away with a lot of stuff that goes on in this story in 2021. No, all right. Carry on, sort of. I'm not too sure I want you to, but do it anyway. 
Okay, during her teen years, she played Anne Morrison, the teenage daughter in The Pride of the Family, which was a situational comedy. Uh, she appeared in Mayor of the Town, Four Star Playhouse, Ford Television Theatre and General Electric Theatre, as well as appeared in a TV version of Heidi. She had roles in feature films, The Silver Chalice and One Desire. She was really successful. She was making several TV series and filming many films a year. And then along came, at the age oh of 16, yes. the film that would really make her an international superstar. And that was... Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, God. With what's-his-face? You may have heard of it. Yes, indeed. James Dean. Exactly. So she actually starred across with James Dean in one of the few movies he actually made before his premature demise. Yes. All right. So you say she auditioned for it. I assume she got the part. Well, the director, um, Nicholas Ray, he basically invited her to an audition in a hotel, which she attended without her mother. Right. And after that audition, she told her mother and some of her friends that he basically raped her. Are you allowed to say that? Yes. Was he ever charged? I'm telling you. Then you have to say allegedly. Anyway. (laughs) I'm just, you can't go round uh, anyway even after even after this yes she she still wasn't confirmed for the part and it wasn't until a, a while later when she was involved in a, a car wreck uh, while she was drunk at 16 yep he he had his he had his um he had reservations about her image because up to now she's only played like nicey nicey happy films Yes. And this was a a complete departure. So after the car crash and she was lying in hospital when he went to see her, she said, was that rebellious enough for you? Now put me in the film. And that's how she got the part. All right. While she was filming that, she carried on an affair with Nicholas Ray. But in fact, in 2021, that would be statutory rape. Yeah, because she wasn't 18. She was 16. He was 44. Yeah, well, all right, then you can remove the alleged. If that's if that's factual, he's a nasty piece of work. Unless he was 16 at the time, of course, which I don't think he was. Her mother was actually opposed to her taking the role, which was a mistake on her part. Natalie said, until then, I always did what I told, but I knew I wanted to do that film. She finally graduated from Van Nees High School in 1956, and she signed with Warner Brothers and was kept busy during the remainder of the 50s in many girlfriend roles which she found unsatisfying. All right. Uh, Warner's tried teaming her with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. in Bombers B-52. Then she was Never given, heard of it. No. Then she was given the lead in a prestigious project, Marjorie Morningstar, in 1958. Never heard of it. Nope, me neither. One day, on set, her and her mother noticed Frank Sinatra, who was Aha. filming on another lot. Yes. Her mother, Maria, suggested that she go over and introduce herself, which she did, and Frank was suitably charmed and invited Natalie and her mother to a party at his place. As she was getting ready to go to the party, her mother said, I think it's best if you go alone. It's better for your career. What? Yep. So she sent her 16-year-old daughter to Frank Sinatra's house, unaccompanied with the hopes of furthering her career. Bloody hell, this this mother sounds like a mother from hell, literally. Well, of the director that raped her daughter, she said, Yes, you spent the night with Mr. Showbiz. What? God, dear. I didn't think people like that existed in the 50s. I thought that was a modern incarnation of parenting. Parents have always been monsters. Ask your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, I think I'd get... At least uh, approval, some sort of approval rating. Even more remarkably, so would you. I don't know. (laughs) 
All right. So does this story, as I say, can you cut through to the happy bit? So poor old Natalie's being taken advantage of left, right and centre, including by her mother. Yep. This is just sad. It's strange well, and weird is... we do. We don't just do sad. Yeah, but this is this is all fairly relevant. The, the upbringing of her as, as a child and a teen is kind of relevant to the adult she became. All right. And it it's just paints a picture of child stars in Hollywood as well because she's not alone. If you're if you're a child star in Hollywood, you very rarely have a happy adulthood. No. They steal your childhood, the bright lights of Hollywood then cast a shadow over the rest of your life. Could be. Yeah. I'm sure there are some exceptions, but probably very few. Did she get her revenge on all these people? That's what I really want to know. Because I can't remember. I think it was a sad ending for Natalie Wood, as I recall, but I can't remember. Um, Yeah, it is a sad ending. But does she get her revenge on these people? Not really. This is Hollywood in the 50s. Mm. Yeah, but hang on a second. She Anyway, carry on, because she lived well into the 90s. I remember Natalie Wood. See? Anyway, again, while she was filming, um, she caught sight of another actor. She was, she was, this was very early on. She was probably 12. She caught sight of another actor who was filming in another studio, one Robert Wagner. Ah, yes. She went to the publicity office, got one of his headshots, and she taped it up on her bedroom wall and told her mother that she was going to marry him one day. Yeah. As it turns out, she did. (laughs) I can't remember. That was, wasn't that her first husband? That was her first husband. Yeah. And hopefully she was older than 16 when she finally married him. They first married on December 28th in 1957. Uh, can't remember how, how old that makes her. July 20, 1938. All right. So she was 19. All so right. she was 19 when she married Robert Wagner. Yeah. I wonder how old he was. <sighs> really? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Carry on. Uh, they married on December 28, 1957 in Arizona. Yes. Four years later, 1961, the couple announced their separation and they divorced 10 months later on April 27th, 1962. All right. Well, that was a successful Hollywood marriage. Yep. One of the reasons stated for the breakup on his side was that she had been unfaithful. She He, he actually named Warren Beatty who she was filming with at the time, Michael Caine and David Niven. What? Oh, yeah. All right. From her side, it was said that the reason the marriage broke up was because she found Robert Wagner in bed with another man. This was kind of an open secret in Hollywood, that he preferred male company to female. Right, never heard of that. Well, no, because it was a secret. (laughs) Open secret, but then I wasn't part of Hollywood. But you're not one of the Hollywood elite. No, that's true. Now, on May 30th, 1969, Natalie married a British producer called Richard Gregson after dating for nearly three years, and they had a daughter, Natasha. And she filed for divorce from Gregson in 1972. So they were... Sorry, she got married when? In 60 what? 69. So she has something about being married for three years, obviously. Yeah, possibly. Anyway, as it happens in the meantime, Robert Wagner had also remarried and had a child, or children, um, but they're, both their marriages broke up at around the same time, and they sort of ended up back together think, uh, on the premise that they'd both grown from their previous relationship, and they realised that they still loved each other, so they got back together. All right. Well, that's not too bad then. 
They remarried on July the 16th aboard the Ramblin' Rose boat, which was anchored off Paradise Cove in Malibu, and they had a daughter, Courtney, born in 1974. Okay, all right, so that's that must have been a bit of a happy period for her. Well, uh, it was. Her marriage was considered to be one of the best in Hollywood, and there's no question that she was a devoted, loving mother and stepmother, and her sister said that she and RJ, or Robert Wagner, had begun with love and built from there. They had overcome and- each other's problems and reached an accommodation with the time and the changes that time brings. As with anybody else who has settled into making a long marriage work, they were far more determined than most people to make it work. And hopefully uh, the mother is no longer on the scene. She should have been banished back to the Siberian steppes where she came from. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so everything was going well. She was, she'd started making a film called Brainstorm with someone else that you'll probably know, co-starring with Christopher Walken. Yes. They were playing a couple of scientists who were madly in love. Right. Now, Robert Wagner was known to be insanely jealous, even though okay. even though he was his interests lay elsewhere. He didn't like anyone showing an interest in what he believed was his property. And he, right. he used to get pretty wound up about Christopher Walken because as a young man, Christopher Walken was quite hot. Unlike when he got older, you mean? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you... If you Google a young Christopher Walken, he's a completely different person. All right, yeah. But by now, Natalie is 43 years old. Well, that's not old, for God's sake. Yeah, Walken was in his 20s. Ah, right, okay, yeah. What happened was it was Thanksgiving weekend and Robert Wagner invited a load of people, including Christopher Walken, to spend the weekend on his yacht or his motorboat, his motor yacht called Splendour. It was a particularly rough weekend, so a lot of people cancelled, thinking it was too rough to be spending it on a boat. So it ended up with just Robert Wagner, Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood on the boat, along with the captain, a guy called Dennis Davin. And this was on the evening of November the 28th, 1981. All right. Now, the day the started with a lot of drinking, a lot of talking in a local bar, Uh, A lot of camaraderie. There was an argument at one point with raised voices, um, but it all calmed down. They they were drinking all day and eventually they got a a ride back to the boat. When they got on the boat, they were still drinking. And at one point, Robert Wagner said to Christopher Walken, are you trying to fuck my wife? And that's when Christopher Walken called it a night and went to bed. Very sensible move. Yeah. Uh, What happened later, around about 11.30... There was a boat nearby, about 100 metres away. Yeah. And the guests on that boat said they heard a woman screaming, help me, help me, I can't swim. And she was screaming and screaming. And they said the screaming went on for about 20 minutes. All right. They called the Harbour Patrol, but got no response. And they also said they heard a man's voice saying, all right, Calm down, we're coming to get you, in an exasperated manner, like, shut up, woman. Right. Now, about two hours later, a call was made to the Harbour Patrol from the Splendour, and they also got no response. By this time, Natalie was missing. Two hours after that, they finally called the Coast Guard. So she's now been in the water, or missing, for four hours. Four hours, yeah. And there's also a dinghy missing from from the yacht. 
Now, bearing in mind that she had a dread fear of water, the chances of her jumping off and swimming to shore, which wasn't that far away, but it was a good swim and the water was very, very choppy and very rough. The chances of her actually jumping in the water and swimming back to shore were very, very slim. Before the Coast Guard arrived, the captain suggested they should turn on the floodlights and cruise around looking for her. Robert Wagner said, no, we don't want to draw undue attention to ourselves. Right. I hope he was arrested at some stage. Well, the police obviously got involved and everyone was questioned. The next morning at eight o'clock in the morning of November 29, about one mile away from the boat, the body was found washed up with a dinghy nearby, beached. All right. Wagner said that she wasn't with him when he went to bed. The autopsy initially revealed that she had bruises on her body and arms as well as an abrasion on her left cheek, but no indication as to how or when the injuries occurred. The captain, Dennis Davin, had previously stated that Wooden Wagner had argued, which Wagner denied at the time, although in his autobiography he did admit they had an argument with Wood, or that he had an argument with Wood before she disappeared. The autopsy found that Natalie's blood alcohol content was 0.14, which is less than twice the legal limit of the UK. I don't know how it stands in America, but it's about 1,000 times over the legal limit in Sweden. Uh, Yeah, but the point is that it's not falling over drunk, is it? No. I mean, mean, that is not falling overboard drunk, is what I want to say. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, there was also traces of a motion sickness pill and a painkiller in her bloodstream, uh, both of which increase the effects of alcohol, but not to not to the extent where you're liable to fall off a boat. All right. Uh, according to the coroner, Noguchi, Natalie had been drinking and she may have slipped while trying to reboard the dinghy after falling off the ship. And he ruled the cause of her death to be accidental drowning and hypothermia. But hang on a second, where did the dinghy come from? The dinghy the belonged dinghy to the yacht. Exactly, but the thing is, when you fall overboard, yeah. if you fall overboard, what, by a coincidence, the dinghy fell overboard as well? No, dinghies are usually towed behind a yacht. No, they're not. Yeah, they are, they're a tender. They're, that's what you use to go from the yacht to the shore and back to the yacht. Yeah, it's but tied not up in on a... the stern of the boat. They yeah, weren't but not sailing a... anywhere, they were parked. No, I realise that. Well, I'm sure... It's basically your yacht's taxi. I I can promise you that's how it happens. I've been on a yacht with a dinghy. No, I know, but I was thinking Robert Wagner's going to have a pretty decent-sized boat. He's not going to have a bloody dinghy out the back, is he? No, but what... Our idea of a dinghy and his idea of a dinghy are probably two very dinghy different things. No, you're right. Anyway, all I was wanting to establish... We're talking about about basically a motorboat, not not a blow-up rubber dinghy. Exactly. Yeah, it's a proper... I mean, it's still called a dinghy, even if it's a hard case or a really? hard shell. Yeah, it's still a dinghy. Or even a hard... Hard body? No. No, that'd You're be nearly Natalie there. Wood. That'd be Natalie Wood. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway, hull is the word I was looking for. Yes, uh, rigid, um, a rigid hull. Exactly. All right, so this poor woman, she only lasted till 43, and she'd had about five years of semi-happy marriage to Robert Wagner, and that was it. Yeah, more or less. All right, yeah. Um, Anyway, she was buried in Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery in Los Angeles. Among the celebrities uh, attending were Frank Sinatra, Elizabeth Taylor, Fred Astaire, Rock Hudson, David Niven, Gregory Peck, Gene Kelly, and Laurence Olivier. All right. Now, at the time, there was a lot of suspicion cast on Robert Wagner because of the volatility of their relationship and also... 
I'm not um, surprised. Rumours about his sexuality, but the evidence given by the skipper and uh, also Christopher Walken tended to more or less back up his story. However, move forward to 2011. The case was reopened after Dennis Davin publicly stated that he had lied to police during the initial investigation. He was the captain. The captain. Yeah. Um, another suspicious thing, actually, was directly after the death, uh, the captain moved into Robert Wagner's home for a year. And Robert Wagner basically wouldn't let him out of his sight for 12 months after this incident. And, and so, he, sorry, ch change of story. I lied under oath and they arrested Robert Wagner. Case was reopened and he said that he'd lied during the initial investigation and that Wood and Wagner had indeed had an argument that evening. He alleged that Natalie had been flirting with Christopher Walken, that Wagner was jealous and enraged, and that Wagner had prevented Davin from turning on the searchlights and notifying authorities after Wood's disappearance. Davin alleged that Wagner was responsible for her death. Walken lawyered up. But everybody thinks he was just asleep in bed. He was in his 20s at the time. He was also very new to Hollywood. Robert Wagner was a powerful Hollywood figure. So he lawyered up, but he cooperated with the investigation. He wasn't considered a suspect, but he was on the boat and he's probably the only person, apart from the captain and Robert Wagner, who knows what actually happened that night. Oh. And although he swore he would never talk about it uh, publicly, he did talk about it to somebody else who then talked about it publicly. And that other person was... Well, let's go to the Los Angeles County Chief Coroner's office in 2012. They, they did a second autopsy and they amended Wood's death certificate and changed the cause of death from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors. Mm -hmm. And the amended document included a statement that it is not clearly established how Wood ended up in the water. Uh, forensic pathologist Michael Hunter speculated that Wood was particularly susceptible to bruising because she'd taken the drug Synthroid. But in 2020, a medical doctor and former intern of Noguchi, the original coroner, said at the time of Wood's death, bruises were substantial and fitting for someone thrown out of a boat. In fact, they looked like she had been the victim of an assault. Right. Yep, so justice was not done for poor old Natalie. Justice was not done. However, in 2018, we get a new district attorney. All right. And Robert Wagner was named a person of interest by police in the investigation. And although he has denied any involvement, police have stated that they... They know that Wagner was the last person who was with Wood when she died. And they're keeping their cards close to their chest... But a statement was made last year. The case could well be coming to a conclusion. So Resulting is, in the arrest and hopeful prosecution of those that are guilty. Possibly, probably Robert Wagner. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter to him because he must be nearly 100 now or something, Robert Wagner. Well, yeah, if they don't hurry up, by the time it gets to court, he'll have died of old age. Well, that's probably what they're waiting for. All right. Oh, by the way, we forgot to do this. And now, a word from our sponsors. Well, well, you can't be hoping for any Hollywood sponsors coming through, having revealed the story of poor old Natalie Wood. Well, I, I mean, who's going to sponsor us from Hollywood? Unless, of course, someone from Hollywood wants to sponsor us, in which case it's a fabulous place to live and work, and I love everybody there. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's a bit of a sad story. It is a bit of a sad story, but it's also a strange one, considering the amount of famous players involved. 
and how they're still relevant today. I mean, Christopher Walken is still an A-list, <clears throat> it's still an A-list Hollywood star. Uh, yes, indeed. I, I don't, of course, I don't know anything, but I don't see him as a guilty party. No, he's, he's, he's never been under any suspicion. He, he was just there. Our generation are more aware of Christopher Walken than we are of Natalie Wood. Well, of course. I wasn't so, born in when she was around. No. Oh, no, sorry. I wasn't born when she was a film star. Oh, yes, yeah. I was. Yeah. No, well, she, yeah. no you yeah, weren't, no, I really. Was. I was. Yeah, I was. 61. Mm, oh, yeah. you. Well, yeah. You were 61 when she was born. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. But it is a tragic story. Well, and yeah, I mean, but as I said to you at the start, I reckon there must be endless numbers of tragic stories relating to Hollywood. I mean, endless tragic stories. And if you include the music industry as well, yeah, we'd I'm never sh- get off. Well, I'm sure we'll be covering more. What we need is a happy story, a strange but happy story. Okay, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can help you out with that one, but I'll have a go. <laughs> yeah, what I want is someone who literally came to Hollywood for to seek fame and fortune and got it. And they were waitressing in a restaurant one day, and by an amazingly strange and weird coincidence, Harvey Weinstein came in for lunch. <laughs> No, that, that would, that's not a happy story. Oh, dear. All right. Yep. Poor old Natalie. Yeah, so that brings us to the end for now, the story of Natalie Wood. And we can only hope that justice is served and Robert Wagner, or whoever it may have been, pushed her off the boat, ends up paying some kind of price for their actions. Yep, yep. Read, not read this space. What is it? Watch this space. Watch this space. So thanks for listening. Yep. Good um, one, Andy. Good story. If you've enjoyed it, join us for the next one. You can follow us on Instagram, and I really wish you would. We'd like to get our Instagram numbers up, and our handle on Instagram is Strange Stuff Podcast. You can go to our website, www.strangestuffpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Instagram, our Gmail, and our Twitter. And we'd like to hear from you on any one of them, if you've got anything to say. In the meantime, have a strange week. And yep. we'll see you next, next time. time.